Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Just for a moment. John 7, and we're going to progress from promise to fulfillment uh, to further promise and fulfillment. John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit's come, they've tarried, they've waited and they've just seen the manifestation of what Jesus has promised. And all the crowd was in an uproar. And Peter says, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of all your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise is for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off, that would be us, for all whom the Lord will, our God will call. Acts chapter 4, a few days later. They're being persecuted now. The presence of God has fired these guys up. Now they're out there causing a ruckus. They've been threatened, shut it down, or we're going to kill you. They didn't ask God, do we shut it down? They didn't ask God for guidance, should we just calm this whole thing down for a minute so we can become civilised, so we can appease Rome, so we can live past next week and actually get on with this thing. That's normally how we would respond. Listen to their prayer. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Then many years later, we get Paul in Romans 15. He's now been living this out, activated in the Holy Spirit, gone from legalist uh, to Holy Spirit-empowered preacher. He says, I won't venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Just grab that just for a moment. He's not going to talk about anything except what God has done through him. As a preacher, that's sobering. What am I going to talk about? Week in, week out. How much am I going to keep talking? (laughs) When does it get to the point where I and yourself and and whoever calls himself Christian needs to say, this needs to be activated in my life because I'm not talking about anything else. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. He's saying, my words might be good, my my actions may be admirable, but without the signs and wonders, I can't say that I've fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus. And that's his, that's his gospel. This is what it looks like. I talk, I do, and God does that. It's amazing, amazing, normal Christianity. I read this and go, is this my experience? Is the promise, is it being activated day by day? I sat with even a group of leaders yesterday from a wonderful church and uh, asked this same question and it really just led to an instant moment of repentance. How much of our normal day the way we relate to our workmates and our family and the traffic that cuts us off, how much of this is activated by the power of God. How about my relationships? Am I just 
painted myself into a corner and I'm sticking up for myself or am I prepared to say, you are worth me dying for and I'm going to make this relationship work. But we're born again with this untamed, wild DNA of God burning inside of us. It's this radical heart of faith. It's the fire in the furnace of the Christian life. And without the fire, there's just a furnace, empty, dusty. I've been a Christian for nearly four decades now. It's really starting to clock up. It's not the uh, age, though. It's the mileage that counts, I'm finding. Uh, I've been in ministry for 17 years, and I've seen a lot of impressive people. I've met a lot of impressive people. It's easier, easier to be impressed than to be impacted, I find. But um, the only time I see people of God awake uh, in awe or doing what we talked about last week, this sacredness, the awesome sacredness of being part of his kingdom and, and coming together. The only time I see people radically changing is when the Holy Spirit's at work. Then the conversations are about God. They're not talking about church anymore. We're talking about him. Sacrifice is high and unjustified. Humility is high. Repentance is fast. And if I study church history, which I do all the time, the only time you see growth, the only time you see life is when the Spirit's at work. It's not when we get a good constitution or a business meeting. It's not when the lights are just right because one's working and one's not. I bet you didn't notice that. I noticed that. Isn't that pathetic? <laughs> That's nothing to do with the Spirit being at work. When the Spirit's at work, we could meet under a tree in Africa and we could just go all day and all night in God's presence. But we're blessed with this, but we, so we can have that here as well. But if we lack the Spirit, if all we have is this, we have nothing. Absolutely nothing. So the last few weeks we've been on an interesting journey since the, uh, the beginning of the ministry year. We've talked about this radical uh, root of faith, that the kingdom starts as a seed and we are the soil. And, and if the soil's not right, the seed, even God won't be fulfilling all he has in our life and through us unless we are housing that's in the soil of our life. And it's been a journey into the heart. It's a journey into passion. And it begins with being convinced that it's worth taking this journey. It's, it, it starts... See, I can talk all I like. And I admit to you, I'm, I'm, I don't like talking. Only God can enable me to do what I do week in, week out. It's not my personality. You ask my wife, I get home and I don't talk too much. But I'm enamoured with this. I'm enamoured with what, what God's doing here. So I'm not interested in talking, but I'm interested in this going on this journey. I'm interested in our hearts getting back to what I just read out from the Gospels and with Acts. Because that's where our heart is supposed to be. But to get there, our minds, I know, our minds need to be convinced. We need to, in our minds, say, yes, I agree with that. So we need to pull Scripture out. We need to explain it and apply it. And so I'll make it as simple as I possibly can. X plus Y equals K. K is the kingdom. Kingdom of God. We want to see the kingdom come. Jesus didn't say, place your faith in me just so you can get to heaven one day and you'll be with me. If you read the Gospels for what they really say, it's not what he said. He said, I want the kingdom as it is in heaven to come down here. In the meantime, we'll get you up there, but we're coming back here. His agenda was the kingdom now. Kingdom of God, the way it is in heaven. No crying, no weeping, no sickness, no death, no politics, no frustration, no Facebook. It will be truly heaven then. Kingdom. 
X is the X factor. X is God. Only God can bring the kingdom. Only God can release what only God can do. We can't do it for him. He is the X factor. Without the spirit, without God working, there is no kingdom come. It doesn't matter how social justice minded we are. It doesn't matter how hard we work, how many fundraisers we do, how good we are, how much we serve the community. It is not the kingdom come unless the king is bringing it. We may be impressive, it may be admirable, but it ain't the kingdom yet. It's at best, at best, it's a signpost that says the kingdom can look a little bit like that. But if we're going to be a sign, we need to be a powered sign, a neon sign, and and demonstrate, not just point. It's a very deep theological thing I've just said there, and a lot of people could argue with many tomes and books about that. But we are not just a sign. We are not just a pointer. We are a powered sign, an illuminated sign. Talk, 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 let me show. That's how the kingdom works. So God is the X factor. But if we don't have a Y factor, we have a problem. The equation just becomes X equals K. X equals K. God, powerful. Kingdom, God come. So if the equation is just X equals K, this is what we call a blueprint view um, of Scripture. It's a worldview that says God does what God will do and there is no other variable in play here. We're passengers, we're pawns in a cosmic chess game and and this whole concept of free will and choice and God's people interceding and praying has no real or significant impact because God's just going to do what God's just going to do. So the best that we pray is, God, let your will be done. Happy to watch that. And if, and if something doesn't happen that we think should look like the kingdom, we think, well, it's God's fault. can't be his will. That's, that, this should be stirring up all sorts of uncomfortable questions in our mind. But that is the, that is the blueprint view. And some, a lot of very intelligent people have that view. But there's no other variables in play here except God and kingdom. But if we, if we don't see the kingdom in our life or culture, then we have to conclude then, if, if we don't see K, the kingdom come, as he's promised, then we've got a problem. We've got to start to say, well, well God must be the issue. God is the problem here. If the kingdom hasn't come, there's only one other variable, that's him. So he must be the problem. And so we've got to start to redefine how we view God. Is God good? What is good after all? Is he powerful? Does he care? Is is he just wound the clock of creation up and just watched it roll? Is this the way this works? Is he really not involved at all? Because I look at my life and it's mucked up. I look at all the pain and the death and the misery in the world and I go, it's so broken, either God is broken too or what I'm reading in scripture is just not true. So that comes to my next option. If I can't redefine God, I've got to redefine scripture. You can see the cascading problems we have here. Because I just read out all these scriptures about God and the Spirit and the kingdom coming. If they're not true, then we, we must question the scriptures. And I don't believe we need to. Because and I, I know lots of movements have done this over the years. But then you see God break out of this little box that we like to put him in. And we see all the things that he has promised start to happen. We see people raised from the dead. We see miracles. We see all the stuff. And we realise... He can and he does. So there must be more variables at play here. So we see a gap, another variable between the X and the K. I hope I'm not being too logical here. There's something else. X plus Y equals K. There's a Y factor. 
And you know it's something to do with us. So we, we saw a few weeks ago, Jesus defined it as the soil. There's a soil factor in this thing. If the kingdom isn't in the right soil, then we can get weeds that can strangle it up. We can get hardness of heart and so on. So what we've got, the why factor has something to do with us. But the why factor, I'll tell you what the why factor is not. It's not you trying harder. It's not you being better. It didn't work before Jesus. I don't know whether you read any of the Old Testament. It never really worked. You're trying to get better, and it doesn't work now. Uh, at best, our good works point to the existence of morality. This is what we're saying. If we're trying to be good, all we're being is an unpowered sign that points to there is morality, there is ethics, there is absolutes. It doesn't prove the existence of God, but it may start the conversation about God, which is a good thing. The trouble with it is anyone can be moral. Anyone can do good things. It doesn't prove or disprove that God exists. At our best, our own strength is admirable, but it's inadequate. So being good is not the why factor in actually seeing the kingdom come. It's really important to know that. If it was, if being a good person brought the kingdom, then nuns everywhere would be raising the dead. That's the reality of it, because they're better than most of us. I uh, forgot to put this on the PowerPoint, but Galatians 3, 2, 5 talks into this. Paul says in this very topic about people who have been saved, now wanting to be good, to earn more. He says, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? In other words, I'm a good person, I'm faithful, I've been good this week. Or by believing what you've heard. So our primary role here is not simply to do good. We've got to find the difference here between faithfulness and fruitfulness. Both are good things. But in the absence of God's spirit in our life, fruitfulness turns to faithfulness. We hold up faithfulness which was a fruit of the Spirit, should be a fruit of the Spirit, but in the absence of the Spirit, it just becomes what we can produce in our own strength. So you trying harder is not going to incite God to work in your life. The why factor is not human need. Man, I wish it was. I wish wherever the greatest need was in your life, God's kingdom was coming there all the time. I wish the greatest area of need globally was where God is working. And it's one of the biggest stumbling blocks in the world is the false connection we draw between pain and, and brokenness and God's nature and saying, how do we connect these two? And it's an understandable logic because we think, well, where there is pain, God's obliged to act. And the reality is Jesus did. Where he saw pain, he acted. And he said, the kingdom's come upon you. He said, this is what it looks like. But he didn't cure the world. He didn't cure everything. I don't know whether you've, you've picked that up in Scripture. There were lots of pain all around him that Jesus didn't fix. Look at the disciples. These guys were mucked up. They were proud. They were arrogant. They didn't understand what he was saying. This arrogance in them, this pride, that's sin. That's a big, that's a big one. But it wasn't fixed by Jesus. He didn't get around to that in the three years that he had. G a Judas was... Judas, he was gripped in, in ambition and anger and frustration and greed. Jesus didn't fix him. Jesus didn't overrule that. Really interesting concept. You know, if world need was the determinant in God working in power and the kingdom coming, then North Africa, the nations of North Africa would be the most blessed nations on earth. But they're not. So it's not just the presence of need. It's important, but it's not what brings the kingdom in isolation.
The kingdom coming is not about hype or personality or flashy lights or singing louder or all that kind of stuff. Um, Sometimes I wish it was. The, The reality is I've been in many of those environments and I love those environments myself. I'm attracted to that. Because I'm so sort of quiet when left to my own. I love being swept up in passionate worship and all that kind of thing. And the reality is I often see the passionate extroverts do seem to experience quite often more miracles than the quiet amongst ones amongst us. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just it's an observation. It's something I see. And I think it's not about their personality. I think that's about their passion, their desire, because the kingdom is such a relational thing. And I'll, so I'll speak more into that in a moment. But I just, I've come to believe through the years... That God wants to work through every single personality type, every nation, every tribe and every tongue. There is no one single definition of what it looks like or what person can more easily engage with God and see the kingdom come in their life. And when I say your life, I mean your life, your life, your life. The frustrations you're managing, the people that drive you crazy, the, the things that aren't happening that frustrate you, the sickness, the fears that you've got to grappling with all the day. The kingdom must come. And for the kingdom to come there, the soil must be changing. And I believe every personality can experience that. So what is the why factor? Let's go there. Well, Jesus said it's the soil. And I don't want to be simplistic about it, but it can be simple. It's organic. This, this why factor is this multifaceted relationship based in faith. It's a healthy home for the kingdom in our heart. We could call it hosting the presence of God. We could call it housing the presence of God. It's like if if the dove comes and sits on my shoulder, if the spirit comes upon me, how do I walk for the rest of the day? Very gently. I don't want the dove to fly away, do I? It's like I'm hosting the presence. And I can host God's presence in my life. I don't just wake up and go, hi, Holy Spirit, then walk on and do it in my own strength. I walk in a way that hosts the presence of God in my life. And when we come together, as we talked about last week, there are different ways we can do that. There's different sorts of presence that we can host. If I, had a, if I have a guest speaker here, there's different things that you do with that as we host them in our church. There's Sunday gathering. We had Malcolm Weber here a few weeks back. We're hosting Malcolm. And so we have a Sunday service where he's just allowed to speak and, and minister to some people. And there's celebration and there's a, a limited amount of interaction. Not everyone can get to him in that setting. You know, so it's a little bit different. But we have Sunday where we're hosting God's presence here. And you're bringing with your special gift and anointing, as Sandy was saying, you come together and y'all becomes all y'all. And, and God, it says in 2 Corinthians, dwells in our midst in a new way, a new beautiful way. That because you're here, it adds to that synergy of the kingdom and more can happen. That's Sunday. But, there's, but not everything happens on Sunday. There's, there's things that God can do and, and work in our life in powerful ways that somehow don't suit Sunday. Because Sunday is a public environment. Some people would come in and they're, they're not, either not expecting or used to seeing some of those sorts of things and it would become a stumbling block for them. Paul talks a lot about this. In 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13 and 14, he says some things are appropriate for some settings, not every setting. And so you've got to be wise as leaders and people how you host God's presence in different places. We're about to start reform uh, and then go away for a weekend retreat in a few weeks' time with people for two days, just solid, hosting God's presence in a closed room, in a powerful way, inviting him to work in power. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see the gifts of the Spirit manifested. We're going to, we're going to see it get a, a little bit messy as we figure out what it's like to, to engage with the power of God. You don't do that normally on a Sunday. It's, not, it's just not appropriate. Some things are. 
You might host the presence of God or people with an open air tour. Let's take you out into the world. Jesus, what do you think about this? Take him on the train with us. I knew a person, I bless their heart. I'd never seen anyone else do this, but they got so full of, the God, they, of God, they realised they had to just go out and share it around. So they used to catch a train. They never used to catch a train. They hated trains. So they would catch trains in and out of the city, just asking for God to, to come and speak to people's lives. And so he'd just troll the, 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 the train, saying, God, who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to pray for? Some he'd do out loud, some he'd be quiet. It's just hosting the presence of God in, in his life. Now, the thing about all this, I can talk about this till the cows come home, and I feel like I actually have. The cows haven't come home yet, mind you, but I, and I don't even know what that would look like. But I know, I know the Lord's with us on this conversation. I know he's working in your life. I'm hearing the stories, and I'm praying with you, and I'm seeing it. So we're, we're, go, we're, we're going there. But no one can pursue God for you. My conversation can't do this for you, just like I can't read the Bible for you. You turning up here on a Sunday is not going to grow the kingdom of God in your life. We host God personally, making him welcome in all those spaces and times. And we do that by not ignoring him. We do it by not resisting him and saying, just don't look at this part of my life, God. We follow his whispers and we live our day uh, with a growing awareness and interaction through prayer and time and we, we follow what he's doing. But there just comes moments where you have to actively invite Jesus, the Spirit, to work in your life, through you. I remember sitting one day in a, in a room, and for years I'd grappled with what this is supposed to look like. What does it look like when the kingdom comes in, in God's people? You know? And I'd, in my head, somehow I'd formulated a set of rails. It looks like this, and when we get there, it's going to look like that, sort of every week on a Sunday. And I realised that's not going to be for everyone, because there's, so there's such a spectrum of, of personality type and, and the way that we interact. Some people are, oh, no, I'm just not like that. But, but then I began to see God working powerfully through the most introverted, peaceful person I've known and just seeing them lay their hand on someone and see that peace released into, into an anxious soul and thinking, man, there is no set of rails here and it looks like this when we get there. This is a mosaic. We've got a room here of probably 200, 180 people here and, and each one of you is a beautiful stone in the kingdom, a capstone, a beautiful colour unique experiences and personality and background and, and culture that you've come from. Does God want you to look a certain way and define this when he comes in the kingdom? It looks like this. It looks like a, a cloud of his presence or, or dust on your, gold dust on your hands or people falling over or, or gift of this or gift of that. I don't believe it does all the time. I, I think there's, room, there's a spectrum here where each one of us gets to welcome God into our life and have, what does it look like? It looks like you, but more like you, more like the real you because you're coming home because you're designed to be dwelling with God intimately. So it doesn't mean you become like someone else, it becomes, you, you become more like you because you're just coming more and more home. And all the different stones and all the different colours begin to glow because you're all just partnering with God in your own beautiful way, leaning into him, hearing him speak, letting him work through power, following what he says, living by faith and experiencing freedom. This is the heart markers of the kingdom in our life. And so there's only so much talking we can do and only so much screaming Evelyn can do at the back. There comes a time, I love Evelyn, I love the way she does that, it just gets us back on edge, doesn't it? I love it. There just comes a time where you need to actively invite. Now, we're, we're doing a couple of things that we're starting. Uh, I put it in the email this week, um, the 40-day prayer challenge. 
I really apologise for this because I should have put a lot more work into the timing of this and normally if it was my idea, I, I really believe I would have given us probably six weeks' notice. I've given us four days because uh, I, was doing, I was preparing the message and I got to this point and I just said, enough talk, enough, Pat. It's now got to become our life, your life, your way. And, I, and I just, uh, this 40 days of prayer thing uh, really came to mind and because in, in about 40 days' time, we're having a day where we invite family and friend to church, saved or unsaved. It's just going to be bring them to the table. There's room in the table. We want to see people get saved, come back to church, all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be a day for them. But you can't just do that. We need to pray into that. We need to have God you know, reveal himself to them, invite them on the journey and all this sort of thing. We need God to be working. So I wanted to do a 40-day prayer uh, challenge for us all. And there's material there that I've suggested or given as... Uh, there's other material out there. Um, I've actually bought into this one for myself, a 40-day prayer challenge where each day, and it can look like whoever you want, but this sort of thing might help you, um, where I've got the electronic version on my, on my phone now, where each day it's got a testimony of what happens. And this whole idea of drawing the circle, it's, it comes from the Hebrew Talmud. And there was a guy there who, um, uh, jury's out whether he was prophetic or not, but it's a great practice. And he, just, he just got so frustrated, he said, I'm drawing a circle around myself and I ain't moving until revival comes here sort of thing. And God, I want you to answer these prayers because I feel like you've incited me to pray, but I'm not seeing the answers. I need breakthrough. So he drew a circle around himself and he stayed there and prayed. And it's just such a great mechanism for us. And it's not saying, God... Here's my list of things that I want you to be doing. It's saying, God, what is it? It's, it's partnering. It's saying, Father, what is it that you are calling me to pray for? Because I play a role in this. I'm the soil here, and there are things that the kingdom wants to have take place, and I need to be good soil with this. And so sometimes it might be as simple as, Father, what is it that you want me to pray for? How do you want me to pray? Or who do you want me to pray for? Not, not the thing that we want to see happen, but maybe it's this person and this situation and he's calling you to pray into that and so I'm just saying let's give it let's draw a circle around it let's pray into it for 40 days and this is in private you're doing this you can do it in your groups as well you come together what's in your circle what are you praying about and just pray together and then interact through the week have some prayer buddies saying this is the thing I need prayer support for can you put this on your list as well and so we're going to just I'll just keep promoting this for 40 days and we'll start to do some testimonies about that as well um, but it would start, if you're going to start that with us, it probably timely from tomorrow or to about Wednesday, and that'll clock around. And at the end, we're going to have a combined prayer day on the Saturday, uh, just for a couple of hours in here on the Saturday morning, and we're just going to celebrate what God's done. We're going to call down more of the kingdom come and all that kind of thing. So it's going to be great. We're also starting, as I mentioned last week, these encounter nights. Once a month, end of last week, last or first, uh, Linda's popped out. Um, it's in the, in the thing. First, first, is that the first? That is the first. I thought we were going to do the last. The first Sunday of the month, in here, 5.30, and we're just going to... It's not a church service. It's not, it's not where you invite your unsaved friend. Okay, this is Christians with permission to get a little bit... Can I say crazy and you take it the right way? Just to get your kingdom on. So come on. <laughs> Don't make me get Africa on you. I'll do it. It's just... We get so civilised sometimes, you know, we've got to get the leg moving and just get pumping. I should get some of our African friends, they'll show us how to do it. They get, their, they get it happening, they call it down. You know, and, but we just get a little bit aggressive, 
a little bit more passionate, a little bit more, Father, we know your presence is here and we'll, start to, we'll mix it up and be praying for each other and, and all, that, all that fun stuff. Sometimes it's not suitable for a public church service, but it's just suitable for the, for the, for the God chasers to come together and, and just have a moment. So we're going to do that once a month and, and, uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. The thing with all this is that the kingdom starts small and it's okay. Um, we don't need to see... Uh, evidenced by paraplegics rising straight away. Everything in the kingdom starts small. That's why Jesus said it's a seed. And the seed is is housed in good soil. And we grow this over time. We learn good practice, good theology, you know, and we we grow this this whole thing of the kingdom here. And um, I'm just just very excited. I just feel like it's one of those unique moments in my life and, and, and in this church's life. We've been going nine months or so. We're so old now, hey? But it's just, it just seems to be we're all ready. We're, we're, yes, we're just saying, yes, we, 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 we're trusting God with this. We need, to, we need to lean into this and just see what it is God can do. And so I'm just looking forward to really taking that journey this year as well. The thing is that the spirit of Jesus that, that raised him from the dead is in my body. He's in your body. He's in you, and he wants out. Okay, he's, he's not a lake. It's not a lake. The river of God is a river. There's got to be a, an outlet. And the more we let this crazy kingdom out, the more we just say, Father, who do you want me to bless? Not do you want me to bless anyone today? Assume the green light zone and just go for it. The more we do that, it's almost like unblocking a dam, and, and more and more of his presence and kingdom comes. It's abnormal for a believer not to desire to see the impossible bow to Jesus. It's actually abnormal and yet somehow we've made it normal because we got so civilised. We need to start longing to make things happen that would not otherwise happen if a person of faith hadn't shown courage and just said, I'm just going for it, I'm contending for this. And so I'm just praying this becomes more and more of our culture. I'm not sure what this is stirring in your heart. It's always stirred my heart. But as I was on the boom gate this morning, a couple of you saw me out there sweating away there on the boom gate while it wasn't working. But um, yes, I was browsing Facebook in between cars. See, I'm, I'm a fallen man. <laughs> but God worked. Anyway, and uh, I come across a post from a friend of mine called David Tenson. Uh, a few of you may know David. He's a, he's a wonderful man. He used to head up Elijah House Australia. And he's quite a thoughtful, uh, bun-wearing, prophetic mystic. Lovely guy. Think of the anti-me. But we get on really well. I'm, just, I'm so not like that, but I love being around people who are like that because they compliment. Anyway, he wrote this beautiful poem because he's a poem writer. And I thought, I've got to talk this out and I've got to give him thanks for this. He's talking about that, the spirit and our, and our response to this sort of message where we say, do I, don't I, can I, should I? How's it going to work out? He says, that all-consuming fire you speak of, does it hurt? Is it as bad as some say or better? Does it really burn away all that doesn't belong, all that's unlike you, all that's not of your kind, all that's not of love? If I say yes to this fire, could it take forever? Could we go slow? Could I change my mind? Could it really help? Oh, I just lost it. And when we're done, am I still going to be me? Am I going to feel complete? Am I going to know we are one? Am I going to be as alive as you say? More importantly, will you stay with me? 
Will you hold my heart? Will you lift your faces? Will you cover me? If this is your idea of fire, refine me. Is this the way you judge? Then restore me. Is this the lake that you speak of? Baptise me. If this is your invitation to oneness, arrest me. Let's pray. Father, is this your invitation? The invitation has never stopped. Sometimes we just fail to hear it. Like a loving dad who just keeps calling his kids home. There's always more. Father, let your kingdom come in this place. We all have our ideas of what that might look like or should look like. But Father, we're prepared in this moment just to plead ignorance. We don't pretend that we know. Because Lord, if we can fully understand all that you're about and all that you can do, then we've over-constrained the kingdom. But Father, I pray that a fire would set in each of our hearts, that we wouldn't rest, we wouldn't replace peace with complacency. Lord, let us be good soil, good soil. Father, will you just soak this soil of our hearts in your presence?